Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Here it is. Here's the plight of the patient. Why are you still sick when the medicine and the physician is right there? listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us today as we begin a message called, Is There a Doctor in the House? And uh, pastor, you know, I think of that uh, phrase, balm and Gilead. We think of Jesus as the great physician. We think of him as a healer, a comforter, you know, all these things. But yet you're pointing out the fact that there are a lot of people who are still really sick. They're still, you know, wondering Where is God in the midst of my sickness, in the midst of my suffering? I'm not getting that peace and that comfort and that healing that I thought was going to be mine. Well, when you begin to look at what's going on, the plight of the patient is that the patient refuses to take the medicine. Hmm. You know, the thing I like about this verse is really powerful. It's prolific, Steve, because it teaches us that Jesus is the doctor the prescription, the medicine, and the healer. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's everything that we need. I often say, and I'll probably say it in this message, that he has Osco and Walgreens in the hem of his garment. <laughs> All you got to do is touch him and you can be made whole. Yeah. But, but here it is. Here's Israel's problem. They wouldn't take the initiative. Hmm. So if you have, uh, say somebody discovers a cure for cancer and you have cancer, but you won't take the cure because you don't believe it works, Mm -hmm. Uh, then it's not the problem of the person who has the cure. Right. It's the problem of the person who won't take the medicine. Let me ask you a question. Let's see if you'll be honest on national radio. (laughs) Have you ever gotten a prescription from the doctor and not taken all of the medication according to how he prescribed it? Um, I'm sure I have done that. I'm sure you have too. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure yep. you have. We <laughs> yep. all do it. We feel better and we say, well, I remember a time whenever I did it and then I got sick again. Yeah. And when I went back to the doctor, he busted me out. Right. He said, well, it's obvious, Mr. Ford, that you didn't follow my directions. Yes, I did. I got the medicine. I took it. Did you take it all? I said, well, you know, I started, did you take it all? Well, no, I didn't. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that is so true for us as Christians. I think we want to take some of the medicine. We begin to feel better. We begin to feel that, uh, you know, God is at work and we're we're starting to experience his peace. And then we quit spending time with him. We quit doing the things that we ought to be doing. And unbelievers, look how many lies unbelievers tell. When they say, God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to go to church. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, come on, you know, you went one time and now things are better and you don't think you need God. And so, you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, that's uh, part of what we're going to be taking a look at. As uh, Pastor Ford said a few moments ago, really drilling down on one verse. It's Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. So join us there as we begin. Is there a doctor in the house? Here's Pastor Ford. There's a guy who had a friend, he was an eternal pessimist. Uh, everything was always negative. And his friend was always optimistic. And so, you know, for the negative guy, the glass was half empty. 
for the positive guy, the, half was, the glass was half full. So this guy, the optimist, always tried to get his friend to be a little more optimistic and a little less pessimistic. Anybody got friends like that? Like Schlepp Rock and the, and the Flintstones, always got a cloud over their head, always under the circumstances, amen. What you doing under there? So one day he decided, I, I'm going to get him to be positive. He said, hey, man, you want to go duck hunting? He said, yeah, he probably won't catch any ducks, but come on with him anyway. Okay, I'll go. Ain't going to do any good. So they're out there on the lake. Duck flies overhead. Optimus shoots. Pow! Shoots the duck. Falls in the water. He's got his hunting dog in the boat with him. And he says to his hunting dog, fetch. And the hunting dog gets out of the boat, walks on the water grabs the duck out of the water, takes it back, drops the duck in the boat. The optimist looks at his pessimistic friend, and he said, so what do you think of that? He said, your dog can't swim, huh? <laughs> I just came to tell you tonight that there's always discouragement. And sometimes it doesn't get on our daytime. It just happens. Uh, somebody rubs you the wrong way, you get discouraged. Something happens that you weren't expecting, you get discouraged. Money funny, change strange, you get discouraged. There's a whole lot of things that can cause us to get discouraged. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been discouraged, you know one thing about it, it's hard to shake. You get tore up from the floor up. It just messes up your, your whole day. Someone said, discouragement is called the common code of human emotion. And so they liken discouragement to like catching a cold. Easy to get, hard to shake. It's like Fannie Lou Hamer said uh, during the marches of Dr. King uh, when she stood up and she said, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Is there anybody sick and tired? of being sick and tired. And here's what I know. Maybe you haven't found it out yet. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Discouragement will find you. It doesn't matter how big your Bible is. Discouragement will find you. It doesn't matter how many tongues you speak in other than English. Discouragement will find you. We have to be aware because uh, it, it comes even after the victory. As a matter of fact, you see it, be aware, it even happens after a powerful victory. So we talked about it before, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Uh, he defeats 500 prophets of Baal, and then what is he ready to do after that? Somebody holler it out. Commit suicide. He gets so discouraged because Jezebel said, I'm going to wipe you out, sucker. And so he gets so discouraged, he said, I don't even want to live anymore. Here's somebody who has experienced all the power of God, that fire fell down from heaven, consumed an offering, and the next minute, discouragement sets in, and you're ready to die. And I already told you, every time I talk about him, what do I tell you? I don't blame the brother. I would rather fight 500 men than one woman any day. It even happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ after the victory. 
Anybody read what to do when the devil talks to you? That he had this great victory. What was the victory? The opening of his ministry at his baptism. And who was there? The whole Trinity. Jesus was in the water tangibly. The Father was there audibly. And the Holy Spirit was there visibly. Wow. All three persons there at the baptism of Jesus. Confirmation that he truly is the Son of God. And then what happens in chapter 4? He goes out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In our text today, Israel is in a your dog can't swim mode. But they find out they don't have to be. That in Jeremiah chapter 8, what he's telling them is, it's your fault that you're in the mess. But it's your fault that you're staying in the mess. That the mess you're in, the discouragement you're experiencing, it can be over and it could have been over and it should have been over. You have control over it. And of course, the question is going to come to mind, what are you talking about? I don't got control over my circumstances. I didn't control the things that happened that brought about my discouragement. <laughs> and he says, yeah, you're there because you chose to be there. Let me see if I can get you to understand what he's trying to teach him. There was an accident, and the person that was driving the car, he was hurt really bad. People came on the scene, and, and a woman came and was ministering to him when the paramedics came up, and the paramedic said, ma'am, please move. I'm a paramedic. And she said, sir, please stay where you are and let me do what I do because I'm a doctor. You see, everybody around didn't know who she was. And they didn't know he was already getting the ministry he needed. He didn't need a paramedic to come in and uh, uh, get him stable to take him to a doctor. The doctor was already there. And even the paramedic is thinking, it's a woman, can't be a doctor. That's what's happening in Israel, and that's what happens to you and I. And so I titled this, Is There a Doctor in the House? And the answer, of course, is yes. Dr. Jesus is in, and he's seeing all patients. So then, what's the issue then? Uh, here it is, the theme. Israel, God's people, had a reluctance to readily accept God's prescription for their problem. In other words, he has the solution to our sicknesses. Well, what's the problem in this text. All right, let's look at it. Let's look at the players in the text. First of all, I want you to see the plight of the patient. Listen to the verse again. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Here it is. Here's the plight of the patient. Why are you still sick when the medicine and the physician is right there? Why are you still sick? Now, there are four questions. I got to walk you through them real quick. In verse five, I don't have time to go through them because I got to end on time. Uh, uh, verse five, here's, here's their problem. See if you can relate to it. I know you can, but see if you can anyway. Struggle. A failure to repent. Israel knew that they were in the position that they were in because of what they had done against God. But they liked it so much. There it is again. I know I say it too much, but, but it's like, it's my dilemma too. You know, I guess I say it so much uh, because I struggle with it all the time. How do you fight what you like? How do you do that? 
How do you fight against sex when you've already had it and know it's good and you ain't married? How do you fight against adultery when he or she ain't giving you none? My struggle's bigger than all of that. How do I fight that donut? How do I fight? Right up the street, three blocks from me, is a Garrett's popcorn. How do I fight that all my favorite foods that I like to eat is right there in that strip mall? where I have to go pick up my wife's medicine uh, almost every other day. How do you fight what you like? And so refuse to repent. Okay, I know I'm the only one that said this. This is the last time. I ain't doing this no more. Now what is this? You know what this is for you. And I know what this is for me. So refuse a failure to repent, even when they knew they were wrong, You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford and a really practical message today, really talking about how we all do struggle with certain sins. And what do you do with that? What does repentance look like, especially when it's one of those sins that just seems to be that ongoing battle, that thing you're wrestling with over and over and over again? Well, stay tuned. We're going to get back to this message in just a moment. But maybe as you're listening, there is a question that comes to mind about maybe how you have victory over sin, or maybe something entirely different that you've heard Pastor Ford preach about recently, or even a certain passage of Scripture that you've come across in your own personal Bible study. Well, you can always ask your question to Pastor Ford when you come to the website, treasuredtruthradio.org, and click on the contact link. There you can ask that question or even give us some feedback. Let us know where you're listening, why you listen, and what sort of difference Pastor Ford's teaching is making in your life, in your walk with Christ. Again, come to treasuredtruthradio.org, click on the contact link, and let us know how God's using this Bible teaching program in your life. Let's get back to the message. Once again, here is Pastor Ford. Verse 14, the second why. They wouldn't take the initiative. In other words, they won't see the physician and take the medicine because it's their initiative. He's there, but he's not going to fort you. What's going on? They wanted God to do for them uh, what God wanted them to do for themselves. You ever see people want to be Bible scholars, don't read the Bible? You ever see people want to be prayer warriors, don't pray? You ever see people want a job, don't fill out an application? God is not going to do for us what he demands that we do for ourselves. Come on, say it again. Without God, I can't. Without me, God won't. That's right. God's not going to do what he told you to do. Remember what he said? He said, come to Swelling Jordan. Why did he tell them to come to Swelling Jordan? Because that's as far as they could go. Come as far as you can, then stop. Because wherever you have to stop, that's where I take over. And that's what's going on in this text. God is saying everything you need To get back on track is there, but you won't do it. Here it is, verse 19, why? Holding on to what God wants you to let go of. Remember, God's not going to give you what he wants you to have until you let go of what he does not want you to have. And many of us are holding up where God wants to take us to the next level because who we hanging with, because who our Facebook friends are, because who we texting and email, who we hanging out with, who our homies are, who our girlfriend is, and they're holding us back. 
There's some places that we're going to holding us back. There's some things that we're doing holding us back, but we want to hold on to them because we like them. And God is saying that's the very thing that's keeping you from going where I'm trying to take you. Go ahead. You look at the person next to you, if it's a man or a woman, ask them if they're single. If they're single, they say, have you let him go? Have you let her go? Mm -hmm. And here it is. Here it is. Now, verse 22, where we are, a refusal to utilize what God has given as the solution. God has given a solution. We'll talk about that, and, and, and we'll talk about why, uh, why they don't want to take the solutions. But, but what's the solution? He said, I'm giving you God's word. He's a prophet. He said, this is what God wants you to know. But you're refusing to listen, and then you're blaming it on God. Have you come to the place where I came to long time ago, long time ago, when I just start saying, I did it, Lord, just being honest? Have you come to that point yet? Because guess what? You probably did it. And so he gives them the word. Why? Because all the promises of God are in him, yea, and amen. So shall it be the word that cometh forth from my mouth. It will never return to me void. It will always accomplish that which I set for it to do. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And so they rejected the solution. I put down uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, 13, verses 34 and 35. This is when Jesus was telling Jerusalem, speaking to the city, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which kills the prophets and stoning them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Well, you're God. Couldn't you make us? Yes. But there are certain things that I will not force you to do. I ain't going to force nobody to be saved. I'm not going to force anybody to live holy. I'm not going to force anybody to read their Bible. I'm not going to force anybody uh, to serve me, to worship me, to give to me. I'm not going to force it. You got to want to do that. And they did not want to do that. I put down D.L. Moody's quote, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. That's a true quote. And so what's going on? What's the plight of the patient? Let me tell you, based on the four whys, here's the plight of the patient. Uh, every why has a concomitant uh, reason. And, and let me say excuse. So here they are. Number one, it doesn't make sense to us. God's solution doesn't make sense. And how much does God tell us that doesn't make sense? And we talked about it all the time, ad infinitum ad nauseum. The way to be the first is to be the? Uh, the way to be exalted is to be humble. Uh, all, on and on. The way to get a crown is have a cross. That don't make sense. You're in debt up into your ears. Every credit card is run up. Red paper in every envelope that comes into your house. And you say, God, I want to get out of debt. And he says, tithe. That doesn't make sense. Why? I'm already broke. Now you're telling me to make another bill and make that bill first. And then God will say, it's not a bill. It's an act of worship. And you need to understand uh, that it is not a withdrawal. It's an investment in the kingdom of God. And as long as you have that perspective, you ain't going to ever get out of debt. Amen. 
But then secondly, it's not the way we would do it. I don't want to do that. When it's not our way, here's the key word, sacrifice. I ain't willing to make that sacrifice. I got to do what I got to do because I got to make it easy on myself, even if it means neglecting you. Come on now. I know I'm telling the truth. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. The timing. This ain't the time for me. How many people have said, well, after I finish college, after I do this, after I pay this off, after I do this. And how many will be like me? I used to say that until I said, I'm going to put God first. I don't care what. I found that even after I got out of debt, I still didn't do what I was supposed to do with my money. Oh, I'm the only one. I said anybody relate to me. And then what happens? You go through the same thing again. So all the sacrifices that you did for God, uh, uh, I'm sacrificing you, God, so I can do what I got to do. And then you do what you got to do and get to a place. And then you do the same old practices and get in the same old position. And it's always God who's neglected. Mm. Putting the oil to the squeak because it's quiet in here. Yeah. And so that's it. It's not our way. The timing, it's a, it's a sacrifice and it doesn't make sense. Naaman. Go wash in Jordan. And Jordan is muddy. And, and where I got baptized was as chocolate as I am. And that's why they call it Muddy Jordan. It ain't dirty water. It's just dark water. He said, no, look at all the rivers there. This don't make sense to me. I mean, this ain't the way I want to do it. John chapter 5. The man at the pool of Bethesda. We looked at that. So Jesus came to him. He's waiting for the water to be troubled and nobody to push him in. He'd been there for years. Nothing ever happened. So Jesus comes and says, would you make me whole? He didn't understand the question. See, he wanted to be healed. Jesus said, you want to be made whole. Healing is a part of the wholeness. Jesus is talking about spiritually, socially, emotionally, psychologically, materially, financially, all the least. And get this, this is Israel. That's why I'm bringing it up. This is us. That's why I'm bringing it up. Because the answer, get this now, the answer, he's at the pool, right? He thinks the answer is in the pool and the answer is at the pool. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford and a message from Jeremiah chapter 8 called, Is There a Doctor in the House? And we'll continue this next time. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, come to the website right now and sign up to begin podcasting the program. It's a great way to listen on the go so you don't miss any future broadcast. You know, whether you do listen through the podcast, through Moody Radio's app, online, or just simply through the radio, like many of us do, it's all made possible because of your generosity. See, we're a listener-supported ministry, and we do depend on the generous giving of those who tune in to Treasure Truth to give and support this radio program on this station. So if God's using Pastor Ford's teaching in your life in some way, would you consider a generous year-end gift? You can come to the website and give online by going to treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the link that says, Make a Donation. Maybe if you want to become a monthly partner, and help sustain this ministry for a whole year. Or maybe you just want to give a generous year-end gift right now. Again, come to treasuredtruthradio.org and click on the link that says, Make a Donation. Well, thanks for doing that and for listening today. I also want to say thanks to our producers, Amy Rios and Ryan McConaughey. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. 
Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.